you've seen the, the highlight videos really tonight. You saw the first video, 17 years really of highlights of what God has done in Honduras. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's just, you know, it's passed so, by so quick. And, and really the, the point of the message there, you know, that, that talks about um, look how far we've come, the story of, of what God has done, really. Uh, the mountains that we're on, it's not because of our strength, uh, but, but, but what God has done uh, through us. And so, you know, he's been with us in the, in the mountains and in the valleys, and God has been good through it all. And it's, it would just take all night to talk about everything that's, that's happened, but I'm glad you were able to see some of the highlights at least and see what God is doing uh, abundantly above more than we could have ever asked or thought. Uh, just the, the, my vision was very small going there. I uh, never knew what God would do, and probably better that way. I probably would have messed it up. Uh, but anyway, one of the little girls that was in the first video that you saw, uh, right near the end, she's on the bridge with uh, her two siblings. The three of them are on a bridge. Uh, she would have been the older girl. Her name is Katia. Uh, nine years ago, uh, uh, the need came to our attention. We had just started the Hope Children's Home Ministry uh, in, our, in partnership with Hope in Tampa, and uh, the need came to us through a church member about a little girl and her mother that were uh, in, a, in just desperate situation. Uh, they were, this, this man in our church had a little uh, piece of property that was undeveloped. He had a chicken coop on the property where he had some chickens and at a time and he didn't have any anymore. And so the, this mother came up with a little girl and asked if they could live in that chicken coop because they had no place to go. Uh, just a, a very uh, humble uh, dwellings uh, with a, a tarp wrapped around the roof to keep the rain out and and he let them stay in there but he said he came to us and he said I don't know what to do uh, it's breaking my heart seeing this little girl nine years old on the street with her mother and um, and a little baby on the way and so uh, we met together with the house parents of Hope Children's Home and uh, this mother and her daughter came into my office and we sat down together and and there was Katia uh, with just a butch haircut, you know, it looked like her mother had taken some shears and, and just did what she could to keep her hair cut. And, and when we received her into our care, uh, she had never been registered with the government as a live birth. She had never gone to school a day of her life. She's nine years old, so she's illiterate. Her mother is illiterate, couldn't even sign her over into our care. She had to just make a, a mark on the paper because she couldn't read or write. And, and we had to explain to her the contract uh, for her to put her daughter in our care. Katia came in with uh, a severe infection in her ear from the lice that was in her hair. Uh, the lice was so bad that it had made a nest in her ear and uh, just a severe infection. We had to get her on antibiotics, antibiotics right away. Uh, and, and here we are nine years later uh, to, to see the, the picture of this little girl. She's 18 now. She's uh, a beautiful little girl. She's uh, grown up now for nine years. She's educated. She's uh, ninth grade now. Uh, she's bilingual. She can speak English and Spanish. Uh, very sweet spirit. And she's trusted in Jesus Christ as her Savior. You know, when we started that home, it was to provide hope for people uh, like that in just desperate situations. I want to talk about that tonight in our message. If you turn with me to Psalm chapter 130. Psalm chapter 130. 
This collection of psalms is part of what is called the Songs of Ascent. It's typically believed that these songs were those which the pilgrims sang as they came to Jerusalem, uh, going up toward Jerusalem uh, for one of the three major annual festivals. And here we see in this psalm, Psalm chapter 130, uh, not only is it called a song of degrees or a song of ascents, but uh, it's actually there's a progression here of uh, what hope is and where hope is found. In Psalm chapter 130, the Bible says, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord, more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. May we pray. Father, as we come to your word tonight, Lord, do the work that only you can do in our hearts. We're thankful for this season of the year where we're reminded of, of our hope in Christ. Father, I pray that tonight we'll be encouraged uh, to understand uh, that you are worthy of all of our worship because of the hope you've provided and to be conscientious and intentional about sharing that hope with others. We pray in Christ's name, amen. When we talk about hope, uh, it's one of those English words where we, we all know what it means, but it's kind of hard to put your finger on and, and, and really define. And uh, when you talk to some people and say, hey, do you know for sure you're going to go to heaven when you die? And they'll say, I hope so. It's really just kind of an optimistic um, desire, really, and nothing firm in, in their own minds. They, they're not sure. They're just hoping that at the end of the day, when they get to the uh, place where they're standing before God and God will... Uh, see that they were a really good person, better person than they were a bad person, and, and he'll just let them come on in. And so their hope is that they're going to be okay. That's not hope. That's not biblical hope. A biblical hope is a, a surety. A biblical hope is like a confidence, a trust. Biblical hope is a state of anticipation of a, of a better future, a, a trusted better future. It has nothing to do with anything that we do, it's rooted not in circumstances, but in a person. It's rooted in God, in what he has said. So when we come to this psalm, we understand a little bit about a progression of hope. The songwriter states, What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone. Christ alone. What is our only confidence? That our souls to him belong. So let's talk and walk with these pilgrims up toward uh, the, the object of hope for all mankind, and that is to be reconciled with God. The first step toward hope is to understand the reality of your condition. Hope is best understood in the light of desperation. 
And right here in verse number 1 and verse number 2, we see a, a psalmist crying out in desperation. He says, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. His, his language here is a figurative language. We don't know exactly the circumstances that caused him to cry out like this to God. Verse 3 references iniquities. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? And then in verse 8, he talks about national sins of Israel uh, being redeemed from all iniquity. So we can understand that hope without, hope, there is no hope without uh, being reconciled to God. And that when you're in a desperate situation, that makes hope even more of a desire and a reality for somebody. He says, out of the depths, this terminology was used in Psalm 69 as well to talk about uh, deep waters. Psalm 69 too, the Bible says, I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Deliver me, verse 14, out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. We just saw a video of the devastation in Honduras of the, the deep waters that affected the entire region. People's homes were completely overcome with water. I, I can swim, but I'm not a good swimmer. And I will tell you, uh, I don't like to be in water uh, that I can't touch the bottom. Uh, I, I'd prefer to see the bottom too. Uh, but I'm not into um, you know, jumping into water and, and being far from land and nothing to hold on to and, and no life jacket. That's just not me. I'd rather just stay right on firm ground. Uh, this psalmist is speaking as a man that is drowning, a desperate situation. And that desperate situation is brought on by the realization of who we are before a holy God and the, the need to be reconciled to God and to have his provision. Humanity is good. Human beings are good at, at masking and diminishing the feelings of guilt, uh, especially in a, a first world country like the United States. It's, it's easy to put aside those feelings of guilt and, and think, uh, I don't want to feel this way, so I'll go to the bottle. I'll go to the prescription drugs. I'll go to this activity or that. I will do whatever I can to take my mind off of these guilty feelings that I'm having. But those guilty feelings are necessary to help us to understand that there is hope. And it's only by being reconciled with God. I read a book recently about Antarctic exploration. I like to, while I'm commuting to, to work, it's usually about 20-minute drive for me, and, and I'm by myself most of the time, and so I'll, I'll listen to audiobooks, get them from the library and check them out and uh, turn them in after they're done. I listened to a book about Antarctic exploration from a couple of centuries ago and about a, a, a ship full of explorers that uh, tried to find the South Pole. This was back in the 19th century, wooden, big wooden ship from Belgium, and they were headed to the South Pole. They got caught in an ice pack late in the winter season, and they couldn't get out, and they were trapped in the ice for almost an entire year. And, and the situation started to become desperate. Uh, they had to have food, and 
Uh, so they had stores on the boat, but they weren't getting any type of, of a diet that was uh, going to sustain them long term. They started to have symptoms of scurvy, and so they needed, they needed meat. And so they went out on the ice pack to hunt polar bears and penguins and, and try to survive. And, and they realized that the danger that they thought they were in was magnified by walking out on the ice pack because the ice pack was always shifting. Uh, they would, uh, there would be a, a crevasse that would open up because the, the water below had shifted and the winds had shifted. And it would open up this giant fissure in the ice and then the next day it'd be gone. And a snowfall would cover everything up. And so these men were out walking on an ice pack and tied to each other because at any instant somebody could fall through the snow, the, the crust, and into a pit to their death. And when I read that story, it reminded me of humanity at large living in this world, walking in this world in an estranged relationship to God. In the desperate situation that mankind is in as we walk in this world, at any moment we could be plunged into eternity. At any moment we could break through that crust. At any moment we could be standing before God. What a desperate situation for those that do not have God's provision of salvation. So this psalmist starts out, and he's crying out to God to hear his voice. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. He says in verse number three, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities. In other words, if thou shouldest keep a, a registry of my sins. He says, O Lord, who shall stand? Who could survive that? And we know from Revelation chapter 20, there is a registry. There is an accounting of sins. And there's only one way to have those sins forgiven and be reconciled with God. And that's through his provision of salvation through Jesus Christ. So we see here the desperate situation of those who have no hope. But then he moves up. He starts out at the bottom, the rock bottom. And he, he's talking about no hope. But then he moves up and he says in verse number 4, but there is forgiveness with thee. There is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. The first step is to understand the reality of your condition. Hope uh, looks brighter when we understand our desperate situation. But then the second step toward hope is to experience the trust in God that produces reverence. Here the psalmist is talking about a specific and experiential knowledge of God. Experiencing trust in God that produces reverence. Verse 4 again, but there is forgiveness with thee. So going from no hope to having hope, there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. He longed for that hope. He longed for that reconciled relationship with God he said in verse 6 my soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning I say more than they that watch for the morning a few years ago in Honduras we had uh, disputed presidential elections and, and a major upheaval afterwards 
I know the United States has never experienced anything like this, but in Honduras we had disputed presidential elections and things went crazy. Uh, when the opposition, which it, the zone that we live in was uh, majority against the one that won the election, and so the people were out on the streets uh, rioting. Uh, they, they had built, the government had built just about a year previously, a brand new toll booth between our city and the airport. And uh, they did not just rip it down, they burned it down and, and said, no more tolls, we're not paying any more tolls. Uh, they got tires and put them on the bridges, the choke points in and out of the city and lit them on fire uh, so that nobody could get close. Uh, they cut trees down across the road so that nobody could tr travel. Uh, they barricaded uh, these major arteries around the city. We have three, uh, one north, one south, and one toward the west to the east is mountains. And they had every single choke point with bridges taken. Uh, there were violent clashes with police uh, and, and the rioters and, and, and fatalities because of it. Uh, they were vandalizing businesses. We, we knew people uh, that had their businesses looted and, and burned. And it got to the point where it was a scary time to live in Honduras, probably the most fearful time I've ever experienced on the mission field. And we came to the point where we sat our sons down in one evening, and uh, they're all just young teenagers at the time. And we sat them down. And we said, look, this is what we're going to do in case a mob comes into our neighborhood and, and tries to loot our house. Uh, we're leaving everything behind. I had gotten our vital documents and emergency cash, and I got it into a, a dry bag, and I, I didn't know what to do. So I, I climbed to the top of our mango tree and tied it to the top of our mango tree. I thought, you know, it's not mango season, so hopefully um, nobody would find these. I, I'm not a uh, former military or anything, so I'm not sure exactly what to do in these situations. So I got up in the mango tree, tied off the documents and in the emergency cash, and I told them, look, sleep in your clothes, have your shoes at hand. If anything were to happen, this is what we're going to do. We have a ladder in place at the back of our property. The lot behind us is empty, undeveloped. We're going to go to the ladder. We're going to put it up against the fence. You're going to help your mother over the fence. You're first. Mother's next. We're going to help her over. I'll be last. And we're going to go to the top of the neighborhood. If we get separated, we're going to be top of the neighborhood. We'll meet up and we'll, we'll get through this. The nights were the hardest because that's when everything was happening. And then I look at this psalm, and he's talking about his longing for hope in God, longing to be reconciled with God, longing to have that security in God. And he's waiting like that vigil the, the watchman at night. When the morning came, the watchman could rest. The shift was over. The danger had passed. And he was, sh he was sure in his God, the security he had and the confidence he had in his God, that that's my hope. And that's what carried us through those days, uh, was our hope in God. Pass what may. We know where our destiny is. We know where our future lies. And so we were able to continue every day. Uh, be, despite the circumstances, despite the anxiety that wanted to wrap around our hearts, we knew uh, our hope was in God. 
Here the psalmist talks about experiential knowledge. He says, his hope was in God, his person. My hope is in thee. There is forgiveness with thee. He says, my soul doth wait in the Lord. Talking personally, I wait in the Lord. Not just in his person, but in his word. There is security in God and his person. There is security in his promises and in his word. In that confidence he had in God as a provision for his salvation. That confidence he had. That hope that he had. What did it produce in his life? It says... Verse 4, there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Those that hope in God walk before God in reverence. Walk before God in obedience. Walk before God understanding that that is the lifeline. God is there all in all. We think back to Genesis 6 where God provided an ark. And those that weren't in the ark had no hope. And they were uh, caught up in the deluge, in the flood, and they all perished. Every living thing perished except for those that were in the ark. And without getting into that ark, those two would have perished. And then we look forward into our day and we understand that the provision of God for salvation is Jesus Christ. And if it's not for Jesus Christ, every living person will perish and be baptized in the wrath of God in the lake of fire. And we understand that our hope is in God, in His person, and in His word. We move from rock bottom, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord, to there is forgiveness with thee, that experiential knowledge that, that produced that reverence in His life, to then the next ascent, verses 6 and 7 and 8, I'm sorry, 7 and 8, Sharing the riches of God with others. He moves from the first person to then exhorting his people. Verse 7, let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. And with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So he went from rock bottom to experiential knowledge of where his hope is to now exhorting the people around him to also place their hope in God. And we see here that as we have experienced God's hope, that confidence of a better future in God, we need to share those riches of God's grace with others. I think back to the Old Testament when uh, those leopards were caught outside the gate because of their sickness, because of their leprosy and uh, there was a famine in the gates because the, the city was, um, I can't think of the English word. There was an army around the city. Yeah. Siege, that's the word. <laughs> there was a siege around the city, and they, they weren't eating. They were, they were happy to eat bird dung, <laughs> the Bible says, and, and selling donkey heads. And they were in a desperate situation. And God ran off the Assyrians and these lepers found the camp and there was a banquet and they were filling themselves and then they thought of the people inside the city walls where they were considered outcasts, but they thought about the people in the city walls and they said, we do not well. We have to tell others about 
the riches that we have now. And that's how we need to be as a church. That's how we need to be as Christians. We understand what it is to be estranged from God in a desperate place without hope. We have experienced that hope with God's provision of salvation in Jesus Christ. And now our exhortation at work and in the neighborhood and among family and extended family and and even among strangers that we run across in our everyday lives, our exhortation should be, let these people around us hope in God as well. To understand that that desperate situation that we feel can be alleviated and relieved by trusting in God for our only hope. You know, the, the humanist manifesto it talks about good without God. You know, be good without God. And, and they desire to have happiness and have social justice, but without God, without religion. And man is uh, an end to himself. And because of technology, we're going to get better. And, and if you look at the, the humanist philosophy, you'll understand they want what only God can provide. They want exactly what we want, except they were looking for it in the wrong places. And they want what we have. You look at the riches of, of God's hope that are found in verses 7 and 8. We see the riches of His mercy. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. Not just for Israel, but for all mankind. There are riches of redemption here, and with Him is plenteous redemption. And there's forgiveness, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. The riches of mercy, the riches of redemption, the riches of forgiveness. What this world needs is found in Jesus Christ. God's provision, God's plan for hope. On December 3rd, there was an officer in Mesquite, Texas that was killed in the line of duty. Richard Houston. Maybe you've seen uh, news of that and, and even circulating clips of his funeral. He was a believer. And I was impacted this past week watching a 90-second media clip of the funeral where the daughter, a later teenager, early 20s, I'm not sure, uh, broken-hearted because of the death of her father, standing at this funeral in a church and, and talking about her feelings. And she said, I... Do not wish ill will upon my father's murderer. I want my heart to hate him, but I can't. What I, I want for him is the hope that I have in Jesus. She said, I would like to meet this man, the murderer of her father. I would like to meet this man, not to yell at him, not to scream at him, not to, uh, to, to make him feel awful for taking away my father. I want to meet with him so I can tell him about the hope I have in Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he can find as well. Now when I look at a story like that, that is the gospel in real life. That is the hope that we have in Christ. Not a, I hope so, I think everything's going to be okay. Our hope is rooted in, in who God is and what God has said in the provision that he has provided for our salvation. And as we walk up this psalm of ascents with the psalmist and these pilgrims toward that holy place in Jerusalem to worship, may we have that same heart attitude. Rock bottom is 
not being with God, not being reconciled with God. Having forgiveness is confidence in knowing my future, my better future. It's secure in God. But I need to exhort those around me that they have at their fingertips that hope as well. Before all hope is lost, may they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maybe this Christmas as we celebrate the birth of our Savior in hope, may, may our, our heart be spurred to action when we look at the hope that can be found. Maybe that's going to look like for you on your knees, praying uh, for missionaries like those that were mentioned tonight, the Heltons and the Hesses and the Goins, and pray that God will enable them to spread the gospel in their part of the world while you're doing your part in this part of the world. It could be that the resources that God has blessed you with in this nation of abundance could be sent toward those places that, uh, that have desperate needs and we can empower the hands of those that are there. Or maybe it's just that desire, you know what, in 2022, I'm going to step out by faith and I'm going to talk to my neighbor. I'm going to talk to my coworker. I'm going to take that mission trip and, and do what I can to spread the gospel message of hope that we have in Jesus Christ.